After about two and a half years, a little Indian pastor came into the cafe. I didn't know him, he didn't know me, but he had heard that there's a pastor who loves Jesus. And so he just came in and said, well, I'm Jesu Param, I would like to meet you. And uh, he counseled me quite a bit. And I remember one night when we were talking with each other, uh, I asked him, because I still love Jesus. That was never the issue. I realized at the same time I cannot go on like this anymore. And I wanted to serve and I wanted to be what I can for my Lord. And so I asked him a question, what do you think what I'm missing? What do you think what I, I kind of missed the last 40 years of my life? And he looked at me and he said, that is very easy. You lack faith. My name is uh, Rudiger Kurz. It is a typical German name. It's probably difficult to pronounce it in English. Um, I'm 58 years old. Um, I'm here in Bremen. Actually, right now we are in the Bethany Revival Center in Bramstedt, which is close to my hometown. And uh, I'm a pastor of a church for almost a quarter of a century now. Wow. Now, Pastor, what is your testimony of Jesus? What is my testimony of Jesus? Well, actually, it's uh, reviving a pastor's heart. I, that is what I would call it, because I have been a pastor for quite some time. And if not, God would have gotten into the whole thing. I would not be here anymore. I would not be pastoring anymore. Pastors, tell us, before we get to that moment of, of revival that you experienced, um, tell us a little bit about God calling you to be a pastor. How did that come about? Uh, did you grow up in a Christian family? If you could just give us a little bit more insight. Actually, I grew up in a Christian family, a really great Christian family. My parents are good Christians. They really love the Lord. And uh, they brought me to church at a very young age. And I have always been a good churchgoer for a long time. Uh, when I was 17, uh, I went to a church meeting. Like, I have done that quite a few times back then. And uh, my pastor did a sermon, and just all of a sudden I knew that it's me he was talking about. Actually, it was just before Easter, and he was talking about how Peter betrayed Jesus. Then he talked about that Jesus turned around and looked into Peter's eyes. And he asked the crowd or the people who were sitting there, what do you think Jesus, how was Jesus looking at Peter? At that moment, it was the first time that Jesus kind of really looked at me and I knew I had to answer. And so actually what I did is I, I went home, I sat in my room for a couple hours and uh, then it must have been around midnight i called my pastor <laughs> and uh, i said i need to talk to you and he said well it's in the middle of the night yes i know i said i need to talk to you he said well can we do it tomorrow morning i said yes when do you want me to come he said why don't you come at 6 30 tomorrow morning to my office just before breakfast and actually, I was there at six o'clock. I just told him what happened to me the night before. And we prayed together. And since then, I've been following Jesus. 
Wow. So going from that from that moment to then being a pastor, how how did that happen? How did that how did the Lord make that clear to you that you were called to be a pastor? I after just six months after I really got to know Jesus, I went to the United States as an exchange student and I came ended up living in a pastor's home. And that was the first time I really kind of got the idea of maybe being a pastor myself. And after coming home, I thought about a few things I could do beside because I would like to do business. I would like to do some other stuff. But in the end, I just ended up, I couldn't imagine anything else but being a pastor anymore. And so I just decided to go for it. God has really confirmed that after I met my wife uh, and when we were engaged, I kind of hit the first crisis because in Germany you have to learn Greek and Hebrew and Latin in order to be a pastor. And I'm not very good at learning those languages. So like when I finished uh, Greek and I was studying Hebrew, I came to a point where I said, this makes no sense. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. And uh, even my Hebrew teacher said he has trouble recognizing the text that I am supposed to translate. So I got an offer from a company I worked with before, and they said, come back to us and we hire you and we give you a good job. And I talked about it with my wife and she said, well, you have a calling. You have to keep on going. I, I kept on studying theology. And so there were quite a few issues when I would like to drop out, but God always confirmed, no, you have a calling, you have to stay in there. At a certain point in my life, uh, beside studying theology in order to make a living, I had a little company and it was doing well. And at a certain point, because I failed in my first exam, as far as uh, theology is concerned, I wanted to quit again. And it is really interesting how God works because at that point, the only time he did not use my wife, he used a fellow businessman. I talked about quitting and I talked about giving it full time into my company. And he said, well, Rudiger, I always thought you had something better than us. I always thought that you have something to live for. And that just hit me so hard. The next day I went to the office, closed the company and went back to study and got my exam. That is how I became a pastor. Now, Pastor, if you could just summarize uh, the years after that, because, you know, you got to a point where um, you, you wanted to quit pastoring. You wanted to leave the ministry. And before we get to that point, um, if you could just kind of give us a recap of what happened between that moment of you saying yes to this call and then getting to that point of burnout, essentially. Actually, there were quite a few really great years. Because of the church in Germany and how it is doing, I, I was really, or we were really looking, my wife and I were really looking for new ways of doing church. And uh, we met a great pastor from Phoenix 
who was doing church in a way I had never seen it before. And so I asked him, can I come, can I see, can I learn from you? And he said, welcome, just come. And we spent a year there. I worked at that church in Phoenix, Arizona, Community Church of Joy. And during that time, we had the chance to go to Los Angeles. We met Rick Warren. I even translated his one book into German. We met Bill Hybels from Willow Creek. So we had a really great time and we were so encouraged when we got back to Germany and, and we knew this is what we want to do. We want to really be a church for the people who do not know Jesus. Went back to my city church board and I said, well, here I am, I'm ready to go. And uh, shortly after, they, there was a chance to pastor a church and I applied for that, uh, for that job and I even got it. And so at the year 2000, I was a pastor of a small church and I started out with 10 people. It was really interesting because they were 10 wonderful old ladies, age 70 and up, uh, most of them coming from the former Soviet Union. And they were the first congregation I had. And I have ever been since that, I have ever, I've never changed church. I'm still at that church. It has changed a little bit now. The first couple of years were good, but we went through some troubles, some hard times, some fighting, because people did not want the new way of church. They did not want to be a church for the unchurched, for those who do not know Jesus. And uh, so at a certain point, like after six, seven years, we went into a huge church fight and everything just collapsed. We went from 100, 100 some attendants down to 20. And I was kind of back at the beginning. So we started anew and uh, actually God has been so faithful. He has always given us new strength, new vision. And we started completely new, started rebuilding the church. After a couple of years, we were able to hire a guy for children and family ministry. But I could sense that it was really taking its toll on me. So um, by the year like 2013, I would say, I was really tired. I was really tired. I thought about quitting. It has never been the question if I love Jesus. It was more like the ministry was taking so much out of me. I was giving it all, but it was like my own strength. And uh, so I was really starting to look into the newspaper and look for jobs. Um, I knew that I could do business. I can, I do well with numbers. So um, I was really starting to look into the newspaper and, and looking for ads, what could I do? That was kind of the down point and uh, it actually lasted for almost two years or more, probably more than two years. My wife could tell you better than I because she had to watch. While I was really at that point of giving up, she did something that I will never forget and she did not tell me. She started praying and fasting. And for over two years, I did not know 
that she was praying for me, fasting for me, asking God that he would send somebody to revive my ministry. And I know, I remember that some of those days I would kind of scold her because she would not eat properly. And she always said, well, I'm not hungry. It's okay, just let me be. And I said, no, you have to eat, it is not right. And she never said a word. She never complained. She never told me I have to do better. She just prayed. And when women pray, God listens. After about two and a half years of her praying for me and fasting for me, um, I was just sitting on that day in our church. We have a little cafe that we set up in order to connect to the people of the suburb. After about two and a half years, a little Indian pastor came into the cafe. Um, I didn't know him. He didn't know me, but he had heard that there's a pastor who loves Jesus. And so he just came in and said, well, I'm Jesu Param. I would like to meet you. I was kind of surprised because I did not expect him. I did not know what he wanted. So um, just being nice, I said, well, I'm Rüdiger. Nice to meet you. How are you? And uh, we just started talking and he left after, I don't know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, he just went home. And I said, okay, that has been a nice, nice meeting, so that's it. Next week he came back, this time with his wife, and my wife was in the cafe as well. So I greeted him again, and we sat together and had a cup of coffee together, talked a little bit, and he left. And I remember that we... He came back a third time and something had really touched my heart. And I somehow had the impression that I could trust him. And so I shared some of the things that are going on in my life. And from that day on, something between a friendship and a mentorship developed over the years. And God really, really answered the prayers of my wife. So me sitting here is not my own thing. It is just because Jesus is so faithful and he has really honored all those prayers and all those days of fasting. Pastor, in, in that time when you were um, contemplating leaving ministry, besides Yesupadam, and before he kind of came into the picture, were you speaking to anybody about this other than your wife, um, like your colleagues, or, uh, or was this something that you were just kind of dealing with internally? No, I was dealing with that internally. I did not even talk a lot with my wife about it. I just complained once in a while about ministry, told her once in a while that I would like to leave ministry. Now it was just hidden deep inside of me. And uh, being a pastor sometimes is a very lonely thing because people put you up on a pedestal and you cannot really share your heart. 
And so I was more or less alone. And uh, I think that is one of the reasons why God had to send somebody from really far away because I knew he was not out of my world, so I could open up to him. What did God begin to do after, after that moment, right? You meet this person, he, he speaks into your life, he becomes uh, a mentor and a friend. How did God begin to transform your mind and, and keep you in ministry? Because obviously you're still here. How, yeah. how did that happen and what did he do uh, after, after that? Well, it was after, after really getting to know each other, there were quite a few times when we talked on a very, very personal level. And uh, he counseled me quite a bit. And I remember one night when we were talking with each other, uh, I asked him, because I still love Jesus. That was never the issue. And I realized at the same time, I cannot go on like this anymore. And I wanted to serve and I wanted to be what I can for my Lord. And so I asked him a question, what do you think what I'm missing? What do you think what I, I kind of missed the last 40 years of my life? And he looked at me and he said, that is very easy. You lack faith. And it was to me like, you are kidding. I'm a pastor, I love Jesus, I know faith, I have preached about faith, I know how to define it. You cannot talk about faith. But because he had earned so much trust, after like two minutes, I asked him, what do you mean? And if I remember properly, he said, it is not the question about loving Jesus, it's about trusting him that ye can really do everything. And it is about you losing control and giving the control to him. And actually he was right. Faith, as far as loving Jesus, has never been the issue. But faith, as far as trusting that God is in control, has been the issue because I like to be in control. <laughs> At the end of that evening, I asked him, well, how could I show Jesus that I really trust him? And he said, well, it is very easy. You just put away your manuscript as far as preaching is concerned. And uh, as a decent German pastor, I have learned that a good manuscript for preaching is very essential. And uh, I have never preached without the manuscript. I worked for six, eight, ten hours on that paper. So for me, it was like, no, I cannot do that. And actually, it was on a Tuesday. I remember that. It took me the next three days to really think about that. And then I decided on Friday night, okay, I will trust that guy. I will not write a manuscript for next Sunday. And next Sunday was a big Sunday because it was Confirmation Sunday. And it was the first Sunday I did not have a manuscript on my pulpit. And I preached. And God has been faithful. And I have never had a manuscript ever since. So God has been so faithful. I was 
sweating that Sunday. I called like half an hour before service started. I called my wife. I need a new shirt. You would need to bring a new shirt to church. But Jesus has been so faithful. And I remember my band leader coming up to me after the service and telling me, Rüdiger, don't you ever preach differently again. This is the best sermon I have heard in many, many years. That was the beginning, really losing control. And actually it has continued over the next years. We have been traveling quite a bit together to Africa, to South Korea, to India. And he has taught me a lot about losing control, trusting Jesus. And I remember one sermon that has been really very, very, I don't know how you call it. Um, it was like a second turning point as far as preaching is concerned. We were at a conference in South Africa and uh, I did a sermon and I thought it was good. I don't know if it was, but um, that was my part of the deal. And I was kind of happy that I, I'm done. And then he came up the last night and he said, Rüdiger, I have the impression you have to preach tomorrow morning. And I said, no. I have the impression you have to preach tomorrow morning. No. And then after some arguing, he said, well, think about it. Um, you tell me tomorrow morning. And I went to bed with my wife and we talked about it. We prayed about it. And deep in my heart, I knew that I have to preach. The strange thing was that I had the story of Hananias and Sapphira in my mind. You know, those two guys that dropped dead in Acts 4. And I knew that that actually is a story I have to tell next morning, but I didn't want to. I had no idea what to say. I had no idea how to preach that story. So I actually was wrestling the whole night about giving up control to Jesus and let, let him do it. And next morning I went up and Jesus uh, Badam came up to me and said, well, are you ready? I said, no, I'm not ready, but I will do it anyway. And I went up on the stage. I had no idea what to preach. I had no idea what to say. I, it was like blank in my mind. And then I got a first sentence and I said that sentence and I get a, got a second sentence and I said that sentence. And so I just got out one sentence after another. The interesting thing was that the leader of that conference had preached about money over and over again because the people were not paying the fees properly. And I was preaching about Hananias and Sapphira and all of a sudden people were coming up to the front and putting money on the stage. And some people were even putting their jacket on the stage or whole, whole uh, wallets. And it was just amazing. At, at the end of the sermon, I have no idea how long it was, there was actually a pile of money on that stage. And I, at the end, I just said, well, that's it. I said everything that I have. And I went down and Jesus Padam continued for me. 
But it was for many, many of those African pastors, it was a turning point. And so just losing control, giving it all to Jesus, letting him control, letting him really do whatever he wanted to do with me, that was something I really learned at that day. Pastor, if you could put it in a nutshell, uh, what God has done in these last couple of years as you've continued to surrender to Him. Partly of what you've told me is you're training pastors even now, but uh, just to hear it from your own words, to glorify Jesus, what is He doing through you and your ministry now as now you've experienced this personal revival in your life? <laughs> it is It is really difficult to explain. It the first thing that has really changed is a burning, a burning passion for Jesus and a burning passion that people come to know. And uh, out of that, the church has changed that I'm pastoring. We have been able to hire more people. We have bought a tent for reaching out to the people. So we do tent crusades in our city and uh, in the northern part of Germany. We are doing ministry in Africa and encouraging and, and teaching pastors over there. What I learned is that if you surrender all, nothing is impossible anymore to Jesus. It is not me. I want to make this very clear because a testimony would be worth nothing if it is my, my doing. It is only Jesus, but with Jesus, everything is possible. And he is my life. He is my strength. He is everything to me. So when you hear my story, it is not about Rüdiger doing a great job. It is about Jesus turning a life around and over and over proving that he is trustworthy so much. I would not have given anything for my ministry 10 years ago. And no, I cannot imagine doing anything else but talking about Jesus. Rudiga, who is Jesus to you? My life, my love, my power, my strength. He's everything. For, for pastors who are watching your testimony right now and are relating uh, to that season that you had of, of just wanting to quit the ministry, not necessarily step away from the faith, but just tired of ministry, what is a word of encouragement that you can give to those leaders who are watching right now? I feel incredibly privileged that Jesus has touched me like this. And... Uh, very, very deep in my heart, I, I know that I did not deserve. That I did not deserve his touch. But he loves us so much. He cares so much. I always thought that I have to be a good pastor in order that he can love me. But 
out of him loving me, I became a halfway decent pastor. So I just want to let you know Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. There's nothing that we can do to make him love us more or start loving us. He loves us, not because we are pastors, not because we are ministers. He loves us. And I know how it feels. I know the hurt, I know the pain, I know the humiliation that oftentimes go with it. But for Jesus, it is worth it. He loves us so much. And the only thing that I, I hope that you have is somebody praying for you. Because Jesus answers prayers. He answers our own prayers. And he answers the prayers of our wives and our people. So if you're down, search for people who are praying for you. Pastor, any last words for people who are watching your testimony right now? If you're not a pastor, pray for your pastor. Pray for your pastor. The ministry is really hard sometimes. And pastors hear a lot of criticism. They hear a lot of words that are hurting. And they need faithful praying people on their sides. So pray for your pastor.